Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Rotato Podcast. And on today's show, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to listen to the Mission Impossible Movie Rankings episode. On today's episode, we do discuss the brand new Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, which hit movie theaters this weekend, and we rank all seven of the Mission Impossible movies. And as always, if you or any of your friends or family get caught listening to this episode, please just tell them we've got a hundred more to listen to. So, after the guitar riff, the Couch Potato Podcast presents to you the complete Mission Impossible movie rankings episode. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Rotato Podcast. My name is Russ and joining me on today's show is producer Adam. Adam, how's it going, man? It's going great. I'm ready to, to talk about uh, some movies. Yeah, it's, uh, it feels like this episode is kind of cursed. Um, meant to do this, was it, last week and then I somehow strained my vocal cords sneezing. Oof. Yeah, and I couldn't talk, and then of course we had other issues. Life got in the way, so kind of put us uh, behind the eight ball a bit. But it kind of worked out for the best because now we're going to talk about the Mission Impossible movies today. We're going to rank them, but it gave us an opportunity to see the brand new one over the weekend. Um, what were your thoughts? We uh, saved the ranking for the the official rankings portion of the show, but what, what were your thoughts on the movie? Uh, it was probably my favorite movie of this year. Um, I really liked every bit of it. It was super cinematic. Um, really liked uh, the scene with the train. Um, I don't know if we're going to get into details here because I don't want to uh, spoil it for anybody, but um, I think it's probably my favorite or second favorite now that I've seen it. Mm. Um and I don't think there's going to be a movie that comes close to this when it comes to uh, classic Hollywood like popcorn movie. Because mm-hmm. uh, this is definitely a popcorn movie for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I thought it was awesome too. A uh, lot of really awesome action set pieces. Uh, the one that they always feature in the ad, the where cruises on the motorcycle and jumps off. The cliff, mm-hmm. that was awesome. Uh, I'm always a sucker for a good car chase scene, and there's a, an amazing one in this, too. And then there's also the awesome train sequence, which uh, I did not realize until uh, you pointed it out after the movie last night, but uh, Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, yeah. utilizes a very similar uh, concept. Because I think I had mentioned that I, had, I don't remember seeing a train sequence quite like this. Yeah, and then uh, you mentioned the Lost World. Then I was up late last night, and I, I don't know, it's like Google. I don't know, somehow was like spying on me. No pun intended. <laughs> maybe a little bit, but I seen an article where they mentioned the Lost World and how it was inspiring to this Mission Impossible sequence. I'm like, well, fuck, I got to send that to Adam now. I'm glad that uh, people are are in the same mindset as me. Yeah. Great minds people like. Uh, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, very compelling villain. Won't spoil it. It's uh, 
let's just say that the villain in this movie is kind of pertinent to what uh, Hollywood's dealing with now with the actor strike that's uh, ongoing, mm-hmm. one of the issues with that, and just how uh, there's uh, certain things that we use in our daily life that could make things easier for us, but also could make things difficult for people in uh, their jobs. So I thought that was cool. Um, it was also uh, two hours and 47 minutes, but it moves super fast. Like, I did not know that that movie, we were in there for almost three hours. Yeah, it, it was really well-paced, and I think that um, while you're watching it, you're not going to be paying attention to the time. It's it's like one of those movies where um, the time gets away from you. I, I looked at my watch one time to see like just what the time was because I was thinking, like, Jesus, this is like... They've got quite a bit into this. Where are we at? And I looked at it, and I was like, man, there's only got to be like 20 minutes left in this. And, yeah, it, but awesome movie, though. I would say right now for me, it's been my favorite movie of 2023. It probably won't be what I would consider the best film of the year, but I always do films and movies differently. Yeah, I judge a film like by the subject matter, like all the aspects of putting a film together, acting, directing, writing. And then I always yeah. say, you know, have a class of its own where it's just movies. Like, you know, I just go to get wrapped up in a story, have a good time. I, I don't care about plot holes. I don't care about stuff being realistic. Hence why I love the Fast and Furious movies so much. But <laughs> yeah, best movie so far of 2023. Yeah. And I've... I've seen quite a few, as of you, so. Right. It's a very high praise. But, yeah, if you have not seen it yet, definitely uh, make it a point to go see it. Uh, I know we're coming up on the uh, most anticipated movie weekend of the year, uh, the Barbenheimer weekend, Barbie and Oppenheimer mm-hmm. opening up. Uh, definitely go see those movies as well, but definitely try to get Mission Impossible into it. It was awesome. Right. But um, I had something planned where I was going to try to get all, like, cute and try to do some kind of voice recording and give you this mission and do the whole Mission Impossible if you choose to accept it shtick. But I kind of couldn't put anything together in time, so I'm like, fuck it, I'm not going to do it. Well, I mean, this podcast is already an impossible mission anyways because it took so long to get... That's true. uh, So... Well, you know what? If anything, if you're feeling, if you're feeling fancy when you put this uh, thing together to get it out to the masses, hey, by all means, put something cool together. <laughs> okay. Or if anything, just throw the fucking theme song in front of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess uh, we'll go uh, right into it. Uh, we are going to give you our definitive Mission Impossible movie rankings. So we're going to rank the movies from seven to one. Uh, I think this is going to be a pretty cool list. I think most people will agree with uh, the bottom half, but then I think when we get to the top, it's going to be a little interesting. So uh, I don't know. How do you want to do this today? Do you want to just do you rattle off your list? I rattle off mine. We talk about them, or do you just want to go seven, seven, six? We just back and forth like a tennis match. 
let's rattle them off and uh, then we'll talk about them. Uh, we'll have you go first too, because uh, I feel like uh, I, I feel like our lists are similar, but I just I don't want to take any steam away from you. So oh well, you're such a gentleman. That's why I have you on the show all the time. <laughs> All right, well, um, my list, uh, I have at number seven, I have Mission Impossible 2. I have at number six, Mission Impossible 3. Uh, Number five, I have Ghost Protocol. Uh, Number four, I have the OG, the original Mission Impossible. I have Rogue Nation at number three. Um, This could be recency bias, but I have not stopped thinking about this since we've seen it, but I have Dead Reckoning at number two. And I have Mission Impossible Fallout as number one. Okay. All right. My my list is a little different. Um, okay, good. Because have... if uh, it was the exact same thing, like this is going to be a very <laughs> short episode. <laughs> I have uh, Mission Impossible two at number seven. Um, I have uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol at uh, number six. Um, I have uh, Mission Impossible 3 at number 5. Um, and then I have uh, Mission Impossible um, Rogue Nation uh, at number 4. Um, and then Fallout is number 3. Um, Dead Reckoning is number 2. And the first Mission Impossible is number 1. Okay, good. Good. Uh, very different list than I have, so we can talk about it a little bit. Um you and I both have uh, Mission Impossible 2 at the bottom. Uh, I will say that my biggest gripe, it's a good movie. It's an entertaining mm-hmm. movie, but it doesn't feel like a Mission Impossible movie to me. Right. Yeah, it, it's, it's different in the sense of just plot. I think that uh, uh, the stakes weren't super high. And... If if I'm remembering the movie correctly, like I said uh, when we were talking about it before the podcast, um, it's been a while since I've seen them all, but he could have just killed her and it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, he could have. It, it just seems like there was no stake in the plot and it was kind of a, a meh Mission Impossible movie. Well, my, my biggest thing is it didn't, f- like, the reason it doesn't feel like a Mission Impossible movie, because in every other film that they've done, it's been a collaborative effort. He's always depended on like each member of his team, and it really feels more like this is a solo gig for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't really dig the fact that they're so reliant. There's a lot of gunplay in this yeah. that you don't really get so much in uh, the rest of them. Um, and I really feel like if you just take Tom Cruise out of this, you take – Mission Impossible out of the title and you just called it something else and put yeah. I don't know Nicolas Cage in that role it's a run of the mill action movie that you got in the late 90s early 2000s I would agree with that statement yeah and I, for me that's that's why I think it doesn't really fit the spirit of the rest of the movies mm-hmm. so that's yeah. why it, it hangs out at the bottom for me I, I still found it very entertaining I think if two awesome things that came out of this is, one, you got that hilarious Ben Stiller skit from the Mm -hmm. MTV Movie Awards where he's parodying Tom Cruise. Yeah. And then the villain in Mission Impossible 2 is Dugray Scott, who was cast as Wolverine in the X-Men movie. 
but had to bow out of X-Men because Mission Impossible ran over schedule. So they had to cast Hugh Jackman as Wolverine instead. And the mm-hmm. rest is history. Yeah. So, hey, you know, for that, I will enjoy Mission Impossible. Plus, it's, it is an entertaining movie, but man, like, I don't know. As a, a Mission Impossible movie, it's, yeah. It's, it's just meh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you had at number six was, um, I believe my number six was uh, Ghost Protocol. Okay, I had that one rated uh, much higher. Why uh, Ghost Protocol at six? Um, well, uh, I mean, it just uh, I don't know if it's just the pacing of it or um, it's the whole uh, climbing the building thing. I don't know. It just it didn't have enough action in it for me. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed very, uh, very blah for a Mission Impossible movie as well. Uh, kind of on the same level as Mission Impossible 2. It's kind of a run-of-the-mill uh, action movie mm-hmm. to me. Anyways, I, it's, I mean, it's cool that, you know, um, we get more Mission Impossible, but again, you can swap out the uh, the hero and it just... It could be a run of the mill. Well, that's the, that was the original plan. Is they were supposed to write Tom Cruise out of these in Mission mm-hmm. Impossible Four, and Jeremy Renner was supposed to take over. Of course, right. I, I did like his uh, his addition, but I mean, yeah, no, I I liked all of the additions that the Mission Impossible series uh, brings on, uh, but I mean, this movie's still a kind of a meh movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I dug it. Uh, I, I love the Burj Khalifa sequence. I think that yeah. if, when you look at this franchise 30, 40 years down the ro- road, that'll be the first one scene that anyone talks about. Is that scene? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very iconic for sure. Um, I, I think for me though, the only reason why it's not higher for me is I don't really dig the villain in it. Yeah. It's played by, oh, what's the actor's name? Michael Nyquist. I probably mm-hmm. fucked it up, but it wouldn't be an episode of this show if I didn't fuck somebody's name up. Yeah. He played uh, the lead in the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies out of Sweden. And I believe yeah. he's also the villain in John Wick, um, the original. But I don't know, I just didn't really dig the villain. Uh, but a lot of cool set pe- uh, action sequences, though. Um, I really dig the uh, the Russian where they blow up the Kremlin. Yeah, I thought that was super cool. Um, but yeah, I have it a little bit higher than uh, you yeah. did. Yeah, I mean, it also didn't feature Luther as much either, which is kind of a bummer. I like I like Ming Rhames' character. Yeah i I won't say he's the best supporting player out of the series, mm-hmm. but I think he's number two. The best one I it, they didn't bring on till a little bit later. I'll, I'll get into that. But, uh, yeah, um, I know for me I had Mission Impossible 3 at number six. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what it does really well is I think they had the best villain so oh, yeah, far in, in, in the phenomenal. franchise. Yeah, Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman, who's no longer with us. But, um I went through and revisited all these movies over like the last few weeks or so. And mm-hmm. 
there's a sequence where Tom Cruise, if anyone's watched the Mission Impossible movie, they always have the mask. Yeah. Where Tom Cruise impersonates Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and he mimics him perfectly. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, the whole, like, the whole thing. Uh, I wish that a lot more uh, movie franchises would take a cue from Mission Impossible 3 and kind of model villains after that. Of course, you're not always going to get someone of Philip Seymour Hoffman's mm-hmm. caliber in yeah. these, but, you know, you right. can always write them better. Um, and that's why I had it higher on my list, too, was because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, that was a really good villain. The only thing that I really don't like about Mission Impossible 3 is this is the only one that J.J. Abrams directed. Yeah. But it really feels like a episode of Alias <laughs> at this time. Yeah. I don't know. It just it really doesn't do enough for me. And plus, I think uh, Ethan Hunt's team outside of Luther, because I think it's Maggie Wu is one of them, and then Jonathan Reese Myers is the other. I think that's the weakest team that they've put together. Yeah. For him and this, I, I honestly I don't think you could. They really added anything to him or his team, so I, don't, I mean, still yeah. a good movie, right? And I mean, I liked the 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 problem in it too. It was a better it was a better little uh, IMF MacGuffin than um, than just like a bio weapon like in the second one. I, I liked the rabbit's foot as mm. the uh, as the thing they're going after it's more of a mission impossible thing to uh, more of a um, uh, a thing to fix you know that yeah. the IMF team can fix versus oh well you know bioweapon and I, th- I think this goes back to uh, it feeling like a TV show is unlike the other ones that didn't really have that uh, like just that phenomenal Blow you out of the seat action sequence. That's true. Every yeah, Mission Impossible have... has. It seems like they have a formula. They have the cold open one. Yeah. They have one kind of in the middle of the movie. Then they have one at the climax. And this one didn't have. It didn't follow that formula, which they perfected at four going forward. But yeah, four. Like I said, it wasn't as impressive for me. But at least going forward, it it got way better. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had at number five, you had mission impossible three, right? Uh, yes, I had mission impossible okay. three. And then yeah. I had ghost protocol, so we don't really have to go in depth in there. I, I think this is when the franchise starts to find its footing at number, uh, at ghost protocol. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the mission impossible that you, uh, have today. And like thinking about it though, can you think of a movie franchise that has gotten better as it's gotten older? Because usually when you get to, like most movie franchises, you have the one that sets up everything. Two is either when it starts to go downhill, like, okay, they can't top the first one, or they make it better. They took everything yeah. that made the first one good and made it better. Then they eventually fuck it up down the road because it's, they can't True. innovate. This franchise though seems to get better as it gets older. Right. And I think I, I can't 
think of one, but in in your perspective, anyways, I know that uh, Fast and the Furious probably fits that a little bit. Well, I I am of the mindset they should have ended Fast and Furious after seven, right? Because it, it it honestly has gotten worse as they've gotten older. Seven was the perfect mic drop. I think I talked about that in the last episode. You did, yeah. Okay, listen to that. By the way, it's on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Good plug. Yeah, Good cheap plug. plug of the week. I do it every. <laughs> Always count on it. But. Yeah, I, I can't think of a more reliable film franchise right now, at least in the action genre, than the Mission Impossibles. Yeah, I, I don't think I can think of one either. Um, so. All right, well, uh, our bottom three are pretty much similar, just uh, swapped out. But um, mm-hmm. you had at number four, Rogue Nation? Yeah. Okay, well, why Rogue Nation at number four? I know a lot of people usually have that one near the top. Yeah, it's um I mean, I liked the the ending. It, it followed the the formula um that it set for itself uh, a lot more here. Uh it had a lot more action um uh and I mean, it also had kind of that uh that team feeling again. Um and uh I mean, I think this is the one where we get introduced to Elsa too, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. Elsa Faust, yeah, is introduced Faust. in this one. And how I said Ving Rhames is Luther is the second best uh, supporting mm-hmm. character. I think Elsa's the best. Okay. And I'm yeah. Rebecca Ferguson. I was trying to think of that actress's right. name. Yeah. Yeah. I I think her character is. Uh, basically, I think she's Tom Cruise's equal in this, and if they were going to pass the baton to anybody, yeah. it should be her. She was great. Yeah, that's one of the biggest reasons why I put it at this. And, um, uh, I mean, it's cool that she's just an MI6 agent, and she's, you know, about uh, Tom Cruise's equal. And I think she plays a really good foil to Tom Cruise too. I, I think they play really well together and they play really well off of each other. Mm-hmm. And it oh, just yeah. makes a interesting story. I think so too. Uh, this really just feels like kind of like one of the, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It really feels like the most complete mission impossible story that they've told. Uh, mm-hmm. very compelling villain. Uh, we get the introduction of the supporting character. I wrote some notes down about these cause yeah. I've been planning this episode essentially since I, that they finally set a release date for this movie. Um, but I mean, I think what I liked about, uh, rogue nation is, uh, uh, Tom Cruise's character has always been kind of like somebody that takes chances and it always pays off for him. Mm-hmm. But this time it's like, you take chances in it, he fucks it up. Right. They make him pay yeah. for it. Plus, we get some really good Alec Baldwin in this, too. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I, I I have uh, Rogue Nation higher. I uh, get a lot of good Benji in this. Simon Pegg, I think, is a fantastic addition to the series, too. Never right. really seen him as an action, an action star at, coming out of, you know, Hot Fuzz and the the Edgar Wright yeah, stuff he's, but he's uh he's mainly a comedian yeah but i mean he he's even featured in um, 
Star Trek as an action, kind of like a uh, comic relief, but also in that action kind of role. Um, I know uh, for me, I had the original at number four. Um, mm-hmm. I used to not like it as much, but like, yeah, going back through and revisiting these, uh, <clears throat> I remember watching some of the television shows as a kid. Is yeah. there used to be a channel in Cleveland that we got down here in Springfield? It's called WUAB, I believe. Mm-hmm. And all that station did was they would run a bunch of old television shows. Like I got introduced to Wild Wild West on that. Uh, Barney Miller is all kinds of stuff, but they used to sh- they used to show Mission Impossible on there from time to time, mm-hmm. and so I was kind of familiar with like the Jim Phelps character being the hero of Mission Impossible. Yeah, um, I also think this is the first time they did a big star being uncredited in the movie because Emilio Estevez is in this for like the first twenty minutes and they kill him off. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a spoiler, but fuck, the movie's 30-some years old. Come on. You've had plenty of time to watch it. Uh, but, yeah, the, I think that's the first time I'd seen that little trick where they uh, don't credit mm-hmm. a big star being in a movie. Um, yeah. Plus, it really, for a while, it seemed like they were going with that. Each director uh, that they hired kind of had their own style you made a mm-hmm. Mission Impossible movie and their directing style. And for those that watch Brian De Palma, he's notorious for having a lot of twists and, uh, you know, double-crossing in his movies. Yeah. And, I mean, this one kind of fits the Palma's bill. Plus, we get Jean Renault, who's fucking awesome in everything. I, I love Jean Renault, yeah. And then, uh, of course, now that I, I... I know I kind of stuck my foot in my mouth, but I said that the, the Burj Khalifa would probably be mm-hmm. the scene that everyone talks about 30 or 40 years down the road. I, I'm i going to retract that statement, and it's probably going to be Ethan repelling from the ceiling in the CIA building and hanging mm-hmm. inches off the floor so he doesn't activate the alarm to steal the <laughs> knock list. That's probably the most iconic scene. It is. And it kind of sets the template. The series, probably. Yeah, and it sets the template for, like, you know, they – they had the big action. Uh, they had that piece, and then they had towards the end, like the helicopter flying through the tunnel. Yeah. On the train, which was a fucking awesome sequence, too. But it really, it's the only movie in the franchise that really feels like a mystery. Yeah. I could, yeah. Mm-hmm. And plus, Ethan's not really the leader of the IMF team in this either. No. He's kind of like the. Jim Phelps is the boss, and he's got, like, a really good assistant manager, and that's Tom Cruise's character. <laughs> and he kind of manages everybody till that uh, opening sequence gets fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, I put Mission Impossible 1 uh, at my number one. Uh, I think it's just because it's the first one that I've seen, and I have kind of a, a the nostalgia lenses on. Uh, but it does have that, like, uh, iconic scene where he's inches above the ground. Um, and he isn't in charge in this one, and I think that lends itself to uh, more storytelling. And um, it's just that uh, I'm pretty sure that most film franchises that I watch, the first one that I watch is number one, and number one is usually the best. And um, it holds up really well. It really does. Um, I haven't seen it in a, a minute, so I probably should watch it again just to refresh my memory on it. But 
I have those uh, those rose tinted glasses on while uh, while doing my list. So there's also a couple things in the original that really stand out to me is uh, <clears throat> one when they have the reveal that Jim Phelps is the bad guy in this, and he's mm-hmm. basically he's telling uh, Ethan that his wife's involved, and he knows that Ethan and his wife Claire have that sexual tension that they mm-hmm. they want to hook up but they don't. And he throws that line at Ethan. He goes, I know that, you know, basically he knew that he would believe Claire. And he throws that line, goes, having tasted the goods. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And then a funny story is uh, my my adult video stash on my computer, the file was called The Cinema of the Ukraine, which is not to Mission Impossible at the end of it when (laughs) – they're uh, asking Ethan if he wants to watch a, he's wanting to watch the in-flight movie, and he goes, "How about some cinema of the Ukraine?" I'm like, "That's perfect." I love, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember you were telling me about that, but I I hadn't put two and two two and two together until now. Yep, I had to explain that to anybody using my computer. Like, what's the cinema of the Ukraine? I'm like, it's nothing. <laughs> Don't worry about it. There's nothing in there that you, of interest. It's bunch of it's a bunch of stuff right uh, let's see at number three I had rogue nation uh, yeah can't really get into that too much anymore uh, but yeah I, I think it's probably the best story of the Mission Impossible series a lot of really cool sequences uh, that's the first Mission Impossible movie where I was legit scared Tom Cruise was gonna fucking die during that motorcycle oh, yeah, yeah. sequence. Cause I'm like, yeah. fuck, he's, he's doing this without a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> I see anybody riding motors, like those, what they, those, those ass rockets ones. that fast. I'm like, fuck, he's going to fall off that. Or like, I feel like Tom Cruise will die doing one of the stunts. I don't know why. I just, that's, that's the, how he's going to go out. Well, you know, I've, I've called Tom Cruise, like it, Tom Cruise has had like different, sections of his career like uh-huh. you know first off he was kind of like the the cocky you know high schooler post high schooler that took him up until like top gun yeah then he had that that persona that he kind of crafted through the the mid 90s kind of made him the biggest star in the world and then like he tried his hand at being like the uh, like the actor's actor for a while he tried to get his award Role. He yeah. tried to. He worked with Kubrick. He did the Eyes Wide Shut. He did Magnolia, which I still to this day say he was robbed. He should have won an Oscar for Magnolia. He's fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. He also should have won for Jerry Maguire too. Because, I mean, do you really remember Jeffrey Rush and Shine? No, no, neither do I. And I guarantee you, people <laughs> listening to this probably don't know Jeffrey Rush outside of Captain Barbosa and the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So. Or Casanova, Frankenstein, and uh, Mystery Men. I I would not put that together. I always remembered him as Captain Barbosa. <laughs> that's a movie I need to revisit. I did not like Mystery Men when I seen it, and I have not watched it since. It's it's good. It it uh it's a good second watch. It's probably not a good first watch, and it's definitely not a good like I went to the movies to see this watch, but just a, on an afternoon on TV. Yeah, it's a good watch. Yeah, I remember seeing the theater. I was super pumped for it. 
And I came out of that, like, that movie fucking blows. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not, definitely not a, a, a movie you go to the theater for. But, yeah. Yeah. But I think after he realized he wasn't going to win an Oscar, he just basically, I think Mission Impossible 4 was pretty much the start of it because he had that thing where he did the Oprah shit where he's jumping around the couch and he was in love. Um, with mm-hmm. Katie Holmes and professed his love to her, and he kind of went down the tubes for a while. And then Ghost yeah. Protocol kind of brought him back and was like, hey, guys, remember me? I'm Tom Cruise. I make really good movies. Yeah, I think that uh, it also uh, kind of uh, put the sugar coating on the fact that he's so involved with the Church of Scientology, too, because mm-hmm. the Church of Scientology is just, one big piece of shit and um you know the mission impossible movies show that people don't care <laughs> that's true like i know a lot of people he's very divisive amongst people that i know and i am never never one of those people that i i can separate art from the person yeah like tom cruise is probably not somebody that i would like oh that's a he's a f- upstanding fantastic human being you know what though? Like, comes out with a movie. I'm like, I'm fucking there because I was thinking about this this morning. Can you really think of a bad Tom Cruise movie? He's made some mediocre ones. He may have one yeah. or two bad ones in the belt, but he's been an actor for 40 years now. Yeah, he's got a pretty good track record. Yeah, I mean that Lions for Lambs is easily the worst movie he's ever done. Which is really weird considering who else is involved in that. And, I mean, mm-hmm. he's had some ones that are like, I know Night and Day was kind of, meh. Yeah. Um, Oblivion is okay, but it's very slow. But for the most part, you kind of, when you see a Tom Cruise movie, you're getting your money's worth. Right. But I think after he realized that he wasn't going to win an Oscar. Mm -hmm. I think he just has essentially, and then mission impossible is kind of the movie that revitalized his career. I pretty much, I've called him this to numerous people. I think he's the American Jackie Chan now. Yeah. I mean, Jackie Chan's more like kind of does acrobatic stunts, but still like, fuck, like how is this guy still walking? Cruise is the same way. Yeah. Except, Jackie Chan's playing with, like, a $3 million budget. Tom Cruise is playing with a $200 million budget. So he yeah. can do more outlandish shit, so. Right. So I I think that going forward, it's pretty much just going to be action movies from, from him Which going I'm forward. Which I'm fine with. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. But I, I think he, he is a guy that I think I would like to see him get one last crack at an Oscar. Yeah. Because I, I, he's kind of got a a Robert Redford quality to him, as in, like, you know, sometimes he's overlooked as being handsome, so sometimes I think it kind of goes against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, outside of the fact that I think that he looks very unnatural doing certain things that come very easy to me and you, like uh, War of the Worlds, like he looks very unnatural throwing a baseball. 
<laughs> and yeah. even like I listened to uh, the Rewatchables podcast, and they were talking about uh, him and a few good men, and he looks like he just has never drank a beer before until he filmed that scene in A Few Good Men where he's talking to Kevin Bacon. But <laughs> um, you put it like that, yeah, it does look like that. Yeah, it looks like he's pra- he practices things that you and I can do on a daily basis that we don't even think twice about. It's like, I have to practice doing this to make it look right. But yeah, I mean, I think at this point in his career, this is all you're going to see from Tom Cruise going forward. Cause it, it works. So yeah. All right. Well, Hey, let's uh, get back to the list. We're at number three. Yes. Number three. Okay. What was your number three again? My, my number three was um, mission impossible fallout. Okay, this is the one. Form. This is the one that when you read off your list, I was most intrigued by. Most people have Fallout at number one or number two. Yeah. I did. I did some reading. I just was like going over. Like, I wonder how other people rank these because I I know have my my system on how I rate mm-hmm. them. You have yours, but yeah, I thought like when you said Fallout at number three, I'm curious to hear mm-hmm. your thoughts on this. Okay, so. Um, it's uh it's twofold. Um first being I already have Mission Possible one at my number one and we kinda talked about that already. Uh this newest one is probably my new second favorite. It's really neck and neck with Fallout. I mean it's Fallout is a really good film. The only reason I chose Fallout as um the third one though was because uh uh, I don't like the villain. I feel like um, the apostles are kind of like uh, Walmart brand, the syndicate. Uh, it's just like they're recycling bad guys. Um, I I just didn't like that whole concept. It's like, oh, well, uh, we're going to get the most outlandish people from the syndicate and we're going to make them the new bad guys and they're going to have a new name and it's going to be biblical. Like, Oh, that's kind of cliche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't like that. Um, although I did like uh, Henry Cavill. I like him in anything. Um, great addition. Um, like I said, I like all the additions that they make to uh, all of the Mission Impossibles uh, when they come out and they have some new actor that's added. Um, they seem to be, you know heavy hitters too or at least mid hitters and and Henry Cavill's one of those. I, I really like his character. Um and uh I also liked uh just the overall action. Like it, it seems like the um uh pacing on the movie was excellent. Um there's just one action sequence after the other. And I feel like that makes the runtime uh, a little bit smoother too. Just like this newest movie. Um, it just, the runtime doesn't bother you as much because um, the action is just very fast and frantic. Mm-hmm. I know I have it at uh, number one on my list. I, if you were going to ask me the top action movies, since 2000, mm-hmm. Mission Impossible Fallout is easily going to be in the top three or four. I think is in terms of like being a Mission Impossible movie, I think it's 
uh, it's kind of a little bit uneven compared to like some of the other ones. Like I think, like I said, Rogue Nation, I think is the best contained story mm-hmm. amongst this. And I don't think Fallout is quite on that level. It's still good. Yeah, because you need the syndicate for it to be a contained story. And it's not. But I think the action sequences in this, to this day, like I, my wife and I seen uh, Fallout on an IMAX screen. Mm-hmm. And was just like that Halo jump sequence. TV and like a standard movie theater does not do that that scene justice. Like that is meant to be seen on the biggest screen possible. Right. And I, th- I feel like they have IMAX and stuff in mind when they make these movies for sure. Yeah. Um, I honestly would have seen Dead Reckoning on the IMAX screen last night, but I was just so f- tired from the weekend. Like I don't feel <laughs> like making a 40-minute drive to see anything, let alone – Right. Mission Impossible, but that helicopter sequence at the end of it, mm-hmm. pound for pound, is probably one of the best action sequences I've ever seen. That yeah. is a fucking thrill ride. And like I still will watch like if like I, I just want to check out a cool action scene. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the ones I'll put on. I think um that one I would say the sequence in, well, basically all of Mad Max Fury Road is basically one long, drawn-out action sequence. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just in terms of, like, getting from point A to point B to get these huge action sequences, I think it's fantastic. And just the action pieces are so mind-blowing that I'm probably looking at that, too, from the fact I've seen it on the IMAX screen and... Yeah. Those sequences were shot with that in mind, but plus Henry Cavill, awesome villain. Uh, yeah. We get Vanessa Kirby, who I always enjoy as an actress, who uh, I completely forgot about till yesterday. But she is the daughter mm-hmm. of Max from the original one, which was okay. kind of a nice tie-in. That is a nice tie-in. Which yeah, uh, I don't, I didn't remember that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, um, she's awesome. She's good and everything. Um, seen a trailer last night for her in uh, Napoleon. Yeah. Which a uh, friend of the show, Mark, who's been on the show a time or two, he whispers over to me and asks me if that's Lady Gaga. <laughs> so, no. She's in a movie with, with Joaquin Phoenix, but not out yet. It's She's in the new He's- Joker. He's he's getting up there in years. He probably needs new glasses or something. Yeah. I did get him to pop that when I, I made the joke. I was like, do they, in Napoleon, do they cover his time where he was kidnapped by two time travelers and they take him to <laughs> California and he ends up escaping from them and he ends up in a water park? <laughs> I will lose my shit if, like, really Scott included that. Like, if you see Joaquin Phoenix... <laughs> in that Napoleonic well, I don't know what the fuck he was wearing in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Jackson and I are actually doing a watch along my son are going to do a watch along of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as an episode we're going to do here soon Oh, nice! because okay. he's never seen it and I, I really I really hope he enjoys it because uh, I was a little younger than he was when that movie came out so so I hope he enjoys it too he'll probably fucking hate it now nah, he'll like it. It's um, funny. 
But yeah, I go get getting sidetracked here. But yeah, I mean Vanessa Kirby, Henry Cavill, um, you know, just I think the action sequences alone put it at number one for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, that is... Action puts it up high for me, too. Yeah, I, I think that just in terms of everything that they bring to the table, that's the best of the series. Like, that is the Mission Impossible formula, is, like, Halo Jump, the mm-hmm. bathroom fight scene, too, is phenomenal with Henry Cavill, Tom Cruise, and then the guy that uh, they... I. Because when I watch these over, Fallout's the first one I watch. So it's the one that I don't remember. I have the mm-hmm. least time, you know, just being able to recall, like, snap my finger. But I think that's the guy that's supposed to be meeting Vanessa Kirby's character. And then they end up mm. killing him in the bathroom. Which, I know, spoiler alert, but the movie came out past that time. Pre-pandemic. It was, uh, hang on a second. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I still think it's the the best in the series. And you have, as well as I do, we have Dead Reckoning at number two. Right. So is is it recency bias? Is it because you just seen it? I thought so uh, last night, Um, having reflected on the movie for 24 hours. No, I don't think so. I think it it deserves a spot at number two. Um, It's a culmination of uh, all of the different plot lines um, uh, just coming together from uh, older older characters uh, like Ilsa. And um, I feel like there are stakes in this movie because um, without any uh, any spoilers, there's, um, you know, a a world ending MacGuffin that they have to, uh, have to get. There's death of people that you don't want to die. You know, it's just, uh, it's got spine tingling action. It's, it has all the hallmarks of a good action movie. And it's just one of those things where I think it also has playing for it too. Uh, the fact that we haven't had a good, Hollywood popcorn flick and in such a long time we've had all these franchise movies uh, back to back to back and I was telling um, uh, one of my friends earlier um, you know Mission Impossible does have that franchise um, thing behind it but when it comes to uh, creativity and world building and character development it's not constrained by the franchise because it's outgrown it's uh, TV predecessor so much mm-hmm. and you can pretty much do whatever you want within the universe of Mission Impossible so you get the the safeness of the franchise and the the um, the Hollywood you know producers and, and uh, they're going to pour their money into it because of Mission Impossible but that gives the uh, writers and you know the directors and everybody creating the movie more uh, latitude when it comes to storytelling, and I think that this is the culmination of all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that it's become, I, I hate to say this, but it's the, the marvelization of Hollywood is mm-hmm. they've gotten so consumed with creating these these universes 
that I, I think that's the problem with Marvel is to really get the gist of their movies now, you have to have seen a movie that came out. I'll use a perfect example is the Marvels is the next Marvel mm-hmm. movie coming out in November. And you have to have seen Miss Marvel, the television show on Disney Plus, to get the, you know, figure out who some of these characters yeah. are. You have to figure out why this is happening and you have to have invested in the TV show to understand that. And I think that, like, my wife, as an example, she enjoys the Mission Impossible movies, but she also can go into that not having to know, you know, okay, you know Tom Cruise is in it. Yeah. And, you know, Ving Rames is like, okay, you know that he's part of his team, but you don't, Ving Rames' backstory has not played a part in the overall, you know, series right. of films. Simon Pegg, you know he's a part of Ethan's team, but he, there's no backstory that, like, has led into this. And even if she goes and sees the new one, um, she might have a question about, which I, I love this, Henry Cersney, I think's the actor's name, came mm-hmm. back as Kittredge. Yeah. Which I, I've, he's probably one of my top two or three favorite villains in the movie. <laughs> I fucking love him. That guy has perfected the art of being a smarmy, slimy bureaucrat. Yeah. Because I remember he had that little run where he was in Mission Impossible, and then he played almost the exact same character, amped up to 10 in Clear and Present Danger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's the one that kind of helped take down that drug cartel. Mm -hmm. Willem Dafoe's help, and then kind of bailed on on him when uh, shit got too hot. But, you know, if she goes and sees that, I mean, it would probably help her a little bit to know who that is, but it's not, you know, like, well, I don't know who this is, so I'm not going to be able to enjoy the movie. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's work to Mission Impossible's favor. It's like, okay, the tying thread to this is it has Tom Cruise in it. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all you need to know is like, oh, Tom Cruise is in it. Okay, cool. I'm in. I know I'm going to see some crazy stunts. That's that's the actual the tie that buys the series together is you're going to see crazy fucking stunts done by Tom, most likely done by Tom Cruise himself. And I think that's the right. appeal of them. You don't need to know right. A, B, C, and, and D to get enjoyment out of the current film. Right. And the fact that there is character development and plot that isn't tied to any of the other movies and makes them their own self-contained movie, I think is one of the best things about the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, I don't really need to know where Ethan Hunt came from. Nope. All I know is that this guy knows how to do his job. He does it very well to the point where when all else fails, they go to him. Yeah. That's all I need to know. I mean, some spy movies, like I know Bourne, that's kind of part of the movie itself is he's trying to piece together who he is. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to save that question for the uh, the end of the episode too. But yeah, I mean, just being a self-contained movie, I think works well for it because you don't need to invest time into going to see a movie. And I, I think that's kind of the problem with Hollywood today. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you and I are both on board. Uh, Dead Reckoning's phenomenal. Yes. I actually kind of want to see it again here very, very soon. 
maybe within the next week. I just want to relive some of those action sequences again. Uh, <laughs> um, but you had the original at number one. Yes, I did. And I have Fallout at number one. Really no need to rehash them. Um, right. We, we talked about those. I, I, I honestly, I think there's really no right or wrong answer to the best movies of the series. I think mm. it really shows the strength of it by the fact that I have found the later movies to be the best in the series, whereas it also goes to show you that it's been a strong franchise from the get-go as you enjoy the original one. Yes. They've kind of learned from their mistakes, and they they know it works, and they just seem to build upon it right. but not get stale. Right. Um, before I wrap this up, though, I did have a very interesting question. Okay. Um, this movie, or this film series, the Mission Impossible mm-hmm. series, the mm-hmm. Bourne series, mm-hmm. also a spy series with Matt Damon, and then we've got James Bond yep. spy series, the most iconic spy series in movie history. Right. Um, right now, taking, you know, like, you can incorporate history however you want to judge them. What is the best spy series in movie history? Um, I'm going to have to say uh, Bond has to take that based on um, just longevity and uh, um, clout alone. Uh, My personal favorite is the Bourne series uh, because it's more grounded in realism. Uh, and I like the fact that he can take whatever he needs to take from whatever wherever he's at, and like he can incorporate that into his plan or his objective. Uh, impossible would have to be the third on that list, even though we've given it high praise and everything. Um, it's just it doesn't have the clout of Bond, and of course, my personal favorite is um, you know Bourne. Mm. Uh, but when it comes to action movies, Mission Impossible takes the cake with those three, mm. for sure. And the action sequences, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Hands down. Um, I was actually going to say that I think, yeah, if you wrap them all together, action at the action spy genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I know with Bond, I know Bond has the cloud to kind of set the template. But when I was thinking of this question on the way home, Bond actually has more bad movies than good movies. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, there there are some good movies in the franchise. Uh, mm-hmm. He's an iconic. He's a pop cultural icon. Yeah. Um, Born. I love those movies. Uh, the last two kind of left me a little deflated. Yeah. I I think that the Born Legacy of Jeremy Renner is a little underrated. But I absolutely despise the last Bourne movie they did with Matt Damon. Jason Bourne, I thought that movie was just kind of junk. It it was awful. It really, it felt like a rehash of the Mm. original three, and you didn't really, it was unnecessary. It was. But I think with Mission Impossible, they don't have a a bad movie in the series, and I Mm. think they've gotten stronger as they've gone on. So I'm willing to give my hot take that I would take Mission Impossible over Bond and Jason Bourne. If I'm going to rewatch a series of movies, I'll rewatch 
the Mission Impossibles over. I'll watch all the Mission Impossibles. Like I'll stop at Born yeah. at three, and then Bond. I have to weed through sixty yeah. years plus to f- find the good ones. Which are yeah. there are a handful, but how many are there? Thirty? No, I think there's twenty something still. Is there? Yeah. But I'd say their batting average is probably about 500. <laughs> I mean, like, if you think about it, ever since, what, GoldenEye? GoldenEye's good. Tomorrow yeah. Never Dies is meh. Uh, the World is Not yeah. Enough is meh. Die Another yeah. Day is fucking atrocious. Probably the, one of the worst ones in the, the series. It um, is. Even going back to that, uh, Living Daylights and License to Kill are okay. Had that very mediocre run with Roger Moore, who I do like as Bond, but its films kind of got saddled, got saddled with some bad movies. Right. And then Craig's was Casino Royale good. Quantum of Solace was meh. Skyfall phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Spectre was meh. And No Time to Die was good, but not great. Yeah. So was, I, I think it, the, yeah. I with that. And like a lot of those, I will probably never revisit again, but. I mean, fuck, I just sat through and watched six Mission Impossible movies in the last month. Whereas Bond, there might be four that I could go back and rewatch time and time again. 25 is what I'm counting. 25? Okay, that sounds about right. So they're probably about 13 good, 12 mediocre to bad. Yeah. Maybe it may be a little weighted towards the other if I really sat down and looked at it. Probably, yeah. I would say there's probably more bad than good. But but that's my hot take. Uh, I'll watch... I'll take the Mission Impossible franchise over Bond and Jason Bourne. It's a good take. I, I mean, I'm still partial to Bourne, but... They said, yeah, those first three Bourne movies are awesome, but yeah. I don't know. I kind of get soured on film franchises once they start... I don't know. It's They start to feel like a cash grab. Yeah, and that's what Bourne did for sure. Yeah, I mean, I totally understood the Bourne legacy, and you're passing it on to uh, mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner. A completely different yeah. story, different guy. I'm totally cool with that. And like I said, I yeah. think that one's a good movie to where it definitely deserves a lot more love than it gets. But, yeah, yeah Jason Bourne was totally unnecessary. And to me... That's the last impression that I got. I have not watched any of the Bourne movies since I seen Jason Bourne. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've rewatched them since. Yeah, but whenever there's a new Mission Impossible movie coming out, or if I'm in the mood for oh, yeah. an action movie, I'll. Do I'm going back to it. Right. So, um. Well, we're gonna wrap it up, but yeah. Uh, Thank you for accepting this mission to rank the Mission Impossible movies. Um, should we try to put together like the ultimate list real quick? Since sure, yeah, let's do that. Um, I think we're both in agreement. Uh, mission Impossible Two is at number seven. Yep. Worst of the franchise. Um, number six. I kind of say Mission Impossible Three. Simply because it feels like a television show. But I don't know. You okay with Mission Impossible 3 at number 6? Yeah. Um, 5, 
I, I think since they were at the I, I'm cool with Ghost Protocol at number five. That's what you had it at six, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, I had Ghost Protocol at six. Yeah. Um. But, um, so what are we gonna go Protocol at five? Yeah, we can go Protocol at five. Um, I know. I had Mission Impossible, the original at four. You have it at one. Um, I'm okay mm-hmm. moving something down. Okay. Um, I, I'm i cool with Rogue Nation being at number four. Okay, Rogue Nation at four, and then moving Mission Impossible one up to three? Yeah, I'll, I'm okay with three. It's the OG. Uh, yeah. Still a great movie. It feels the most spy, spy movie of the series. Right. Um, plus, it has the most iconic sequence of the series. And it, um, and then I guess it's really a matter of whether we decide is Fallout or Dead Reckoning the best of the series. I still think that Fallout's the best of the series, but we can go with Fallout as number one if Dead Reckoning because we both had Dead Reckoning at two, anyways. Yeah. So. Okay. So the okay. the ultimate list, the ultimate rankings from the Couch Potato Podcast is we have Fallout at one, Dead Reckoning two. Mission Impossible at number three. We have mm-hmm. Rogue Nation at four. Mm-hmm. Ghost Protocol at five. Mission Impossible three at number six. And Mission Impossible two at number seven. I'm satisfied with that. I am also satisfied with that. I mean, I could even make a case for Mission Impossible being at number two. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, like I said, we could be... Maybe six months down the road, like maybe we were a little too heaping too mm. much praise on Dead Reckoning, but I don't know about that. That I don't think so. But we could see a different list when the second part comes out too. So that's true. Uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part Two comes out tentatively June of next year. Whether that's affected by the writers and director strike, I don't know. I know. They were still doing some stuff yeah, with the movie, so I don't know if that's affected by it or not. Mm-hmm. But tentatively, it's supposed to be out June of next year, which I really hope that it does because the pandemic fucked these all up. I was so yeah. excited. They had, in three years, we were supposed to get Top Gun Maverick, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning 1, and then Dead Reckoning 2. They should have already been out, yeah. all three of them, but, but we still have to wait on another one. Right. So, well, hey, man, it was good talking with you. Uh, I, I think we made the right call waiting to see the new one before we did this list. I think it was only fair to do it that way. I agreed, yeah. So, all right, well, that's going to wrap up uh, today's episode. We hope you guys and gals enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We do have a TikTok, which I know I need to get better at putting stuff on there. Shoot me an email at couchpotatopodcast at gmail.com if you want to give us show ideas, talk to us about any of the episodes you've heard, if there's thoughts, anything you got. If you want to tell me how bad the show sucks, I'll respond to those too. Uh, if you like what we're doing here on the show, give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. You can do it on both. And if you don't like what we're doing, hey, just move along. Go about your day. We appreciate you stopping by anyway. So until next week, we will talk to you guys later.